tonight is I'm going to take Yom Kippur and I'm going to try to boil it down to the core. To the core, which means it's a little bit less practical. It means I'm, I'm not going to start with the practical. I'm going to start with the, 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 you know, the essential. And like what happens in Yom Kippur? Like, uh, what's the day about? And then we'll try to apply it to the practical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is kind of the opposite of what we did last time. We're not going to analyze each aspect of Yom Kippur and try to synthesize it to the to the to the underlying point. We're going to try to get the underlying point, and then we're going to uh, use that to show how everything about Yom Kippur uh, points to that. The feeling of loneliness that someone has right, when the person they love is very very distant from them can occur in two varieties. Feeling of emptiness, of the hollow void that someone has in their heart when someone they love is far, far away from them it can happen two ways. How does that happen? Right? The person that you love, you don't know where they are. They're on some remote island with no way of communicating with you, and you know they're around, you know they exist, you know they're not dead, mm-hmm. but you just have no way of contacting them. And for five, 10, 20 years, you just, right? There's a, there's a void in their heart, right? They're far away from you. Mm-hmm. How much more so if someone's, uh, I don't know, on, on the moon. Mm-hmm. Somebody he knows on the moon with no telephone and no communication devices. Imagine it was possible. I, tremendous distance away from you. It's, it, you know, it's a feeling. It's a, it's a feeling of, of, of emptiness and it's a feeling of yearning. That's one way. It's almost like being in the military up in some place and you can't get over Yeah, you're in Vietnam, you're somewhere yeah. in Vietnam. And, right. It's possible to have the same experience when you're 10 feet away from the person you love. Imagine it, 10 feet away from someone I love, but there's 10 feet of reinforced steel between us. Right? Or we're on two sides of the Berlin Wall. Right? You're close. Mm-hmm. In part of, like, from a bird's eye view, you're really, really, really close. Right? But in practicality, there's such a massive divide between you two that it, for all practical purposes, the same conditions exist as if that person's on the moon. Yeah. So this is the, this is the two pictures, uh, the metaphor of being distant from someone or something. Man and God, the relationship that man has with God, we see mixed Signals. There's a mixed message that we get from the Torah as to how this relationship really boils down. There's some accounts that talk about man. Man has a soul. The soul is in some degree comparable to God. It's comparable to God, the Talmud tells us. God is holy. The angels are holy. The soul is holy. It puts in one basket the idea of God and the idea of of, of a human soul. We have... Man is created in the image of God. We share some characteristics with God himself. We're similar to God. We are told um, that there's a, there's a commandment to, to be similar to God. On some degree, in some dimension, man and God are actually really close. Uh, yet, we find other sources indicate that man is really, really distant from God. And man is... Man is uh, physicality, uh, man is materialism, 
there's nothing more distant uh, than than man and God. How do these two ideas coexist? How can we be simultaneously really close and be really far from God? The answer is that the way man, the relationship that man has with God, right? They're very far, but they're only 10 feet away from each other. There's a divide between us. There's a divide between us. Now, I want to explain this. I want to explain this. Um, maybe a little bit deeper. So, 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 so I'm trying to give, give an image, right? An image of, of 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 the proximity that we have with God. Right? Our soul, our soul is in some dimension similar to God. If we were just a soul, we'd be greater than the angels. We'd be pure spirituality. We'd have we'd have no physical qualities. We're pure. That's the word that's used to describe a soul. We're pure. Nothing wrong, unblemished, without any whims, without any drive, any bad drives, without any inclinations. But that would be no fun. There's no challenge. Mm-hmm. There's no struggle. There's no uh, turmoil, internal t- turmoil that we would have. We would have no, uh, no room to exercise our free will. So God gives us a body. Right? A body is physicality. Right? A body is... Uh, temptation. Right? We have inclinations to do bad. We have a three-headed monster, Yetzirah. We have a three-headed monster by the name of Yetzirah, Satan, Satan, and Malachamavet, Angel of Death. Right? The Talmud tells us that there's there's this one thing that has three-headed monster, three characteristics. It causes man to sin. It presents the sin to God. And then it kills man. This is the thing that was just slapped upon the pure soul. A tremendous barrier. It muffles the influence of the soul. And for all practical purposes, makes man incredibly distant from God. Right? So that's, so that's the way we are. We're close. We're only 10 feet away. We have a soul. We have a soul. What's the soul? The soul is pure spirituality. And the ability to relate to God in, in, in an unparalleled fashion. But we also have the three-headed monster. We have the body. We have massive divisions, massive barriers between us and God. Now, I'm telling you guys it's gold because no one knows this. It's like, the Talmud tells us in a few different places right, that the word hasatan, the Satan, Remember, Satan, this Jewish Satan that we're describing is totally different than the Christian Satan. Okay. Right? It's, not, it's not some uh, other power. It's a force. It's a force. And we said it's a three-headed monster. Right? This, if you take the gematria, familiar with the term gematria? No. Yeah. Hebrew... We, we've got a whiteboard and some markers there. Oh, that's fine. Hebrew, uh, there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Let's make believe that this is the Hebrew alphabet. A, B, C. One, two, three. Right? D would be? Four. E, F, G, H, I, J. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. K, twenty. Right? L, thirty. Right? Forty, fifty, six, a hundred. Two hundred, three hundred, four hundred. 
That's how it works in in in, uh, in every letter in the in the in the, in the Torah in, or in the Hebrew language. Equals a number one. Aleph is one. Bet is two. Right. Gimel is three. And this has already been used in Jewish in Jewish um, philosophy for thousands and thousands of years. The Talmud was written. Remember, the Talmud was written in the fourth century. The Talmud tells us if you take the word ha sa hasatan. Hey, this is number five. Uh, sin is three hundred. This is nine. This is fifty. So what's uh, what's fifty plus nine? Fifty-nine. 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 Three hundred sixty-four. Three sixty-four. Someone says this. Hasatan, right? Equals three hundred sixty-four. The power of the Satan is only for 364 days a year. There's one day that the Satan has no power. And what day is that? Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur. On Yom Kippur, that barrier gets temporarily lifted. For one day, we're in our most natural state, in the original. We, we do not have this barrier that separates man and God. Right. That's the idea. That's what Yom Kippur is about. That's the core of Yom Kippur. Now, I'll tell you, um, the Torah verse on Yom Kippur, I'll say it in Hebrew, For this day, the Almighty will give you atonement from all your sins, Lift Hashem close to God, you shall become pure. What do we see? We see two terms: close to God, and this they were close to God, mm-hmm. and we're pure. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that we were we're so far away and this that we run close to God. No, 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 no. That's what happens. We don't move. We're absolutely stationary, but the barrier gets lifted, mm-hmm. temporarily lifted. Mm-hmm. Okay? And this is the core idea that everything that we do in Yom Kippur is connected to. It's a day of absolute closeness without barriers, man and God. In Kippur, we have a we, we wear white. White is the color of purity, right? White equals purity. Purity. Why? Because today we're pure. What do pure what do pure people wear? White. We're white. This is why as a kid I remember the rabbi is not just white, but white tennis shoes. White tie. White tie. Everything. Yeah, everything is white. Right? Remember what we said. The soul, the soul itself is greater than angels. Right? So today we're like the soul without the body. We're greater. We're greater than the good of the angels. What was the question? Do angels eat or not? No. 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 Why do they eat? Why do they, why do they, they not eat? They don't need to. They don't need to. It's not... There's a tremendous mistake that people do, that people don't understand. We're not fasting on Yom Kippur because we want to cause ourselves pain and anguish. And being Jewish is so miserable. And, you know, I always say that people associate, unfortunately, people associate Judaism with Yom Kippur because that's the, day that the only day that most Jews show up to shul. Not, not everyone, obviously. And Yom Kippur is fasting and misery. So if A equals B and B equals C, 
the syllogism tells you that Judaism equals misery. And, uh, and, it's, and people don't understand, it's not every other fast day that we have in, 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 you know, in the Jewish calendar. Mm-hmm. It's because to commemorate sad events, sad things happen. We're in mourning. We're in mourning. Therefore, we fast. Yom Kippur is totally different. We're not fasting because we're sad. We're fasting because we're on a higher level than the rest of the year. We do not need food. We're sort of speaking like angels. We're above that. We don't need to eat. We're on a higher level. We're close to God. There's no barriers for one day. There are certain parts of the prayer. After the Shema. There's another six words that we say. Baruch, Shem, Kvod, Malchuto, Leolam, Ba'et. The entire year, those words are said in an undertone, said quietly. On Yom Kippur, those words are said out, out loud. But that in every shul. Why is it different? Why do we say the whole year we whisper it? And on Yom Kippur, we scream it out loud. You know why? Because this prayer is a prayer of angels. And a human doesn't say the prayer of angels out loud. Therefore, the entire year, if you want to say it, you better whisper it. On Yom Kippur, we're impervious to the angels' wrath. Why? We're above, we're above the angels. We're above them or we're like the angels. Yeah. Right? So, all right, the, the prayer is different because we're close to God. Right? What we wear is different because we're close to God. What we, we fast, right? we abstain from food and drink, because we're on a higher level. We're closer to God. The barrier has been lifted temporarily. This is why Yom Kippur is a day for, for repentance. When you're so far away, right? you're far away from God. Right? And when you repent, what does it mean to repent? What's the Hebrew? Anyone know the Hebrew word for Repentance. Teshuva. Oh, yes. yes. I always heard that term, right? Teshuva. Mm-hmm. Right? What does the word shuva mean? From, from the prayer? No, that's Shuvah. 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 Okay. Shuvah. No, shuva. Sorry? There's tefillah, teshuva, and sadaqah. Yeah. Yes. What's teshuva? Well, do you ever guess? What do you think the word teshuva means? Other than repent. Other than repent. Um, means to return. Okay, to return. To return. When you say to return, you have to say to return to what? To return to, to whom? Yeah. We, we associate repentance as, oh, I made a mistake, I feel bad. It's all self-centered, centric, right? Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's, 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 mm-hmm. it's me, it's self-centric, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I made a mistake, I feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. I want to do good, mm-hmm. right? I want to not do that mistake again. I'm going to change my, my, my outlook. I'm going to change my uh, habits. I'm going to change my activities. I'm not going to sin anymore. That's how we view sin. Uh, repentance. The Torah says the word for repentance is not right. focusing on oneself. It's, uh, it's returned. You were somewhere. You went somewhere else. You're coming back. 
to where you were. You're coming back to your own roots. Your own roots is a soul. A soul is purity. A soul is devoid of sin. You're going back to your original state. You're returning to whom? To whom are you returning to? To God. To being in close proximity to God. And this is the day. This is the day where it's the best day to do it. It says on these days. God is close. What do you mean God is close? He comes down, so to speak. No, 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 no. The barrier is lifted. And the result of that is that we're close. Because you're close, it's very easy to return. You, know, you don't have to punch your holes. Think about it, right? It's uh, the Shawshank Redemption, right? You're in prison. What do you do? So you drill a little hole and drill a hole, drill a little hole. Eventually, you could, that's one way to do it. That's the way you do it the entire year. Well, that's a good example. <laughs> Gotta write that down. Teshuva every year equals Shawshank. Everyone here watched Shawshank, right? I never saw Shawshank. You're kidding. No, I never saw it. Oh, gosh. It was actually a movie. Kidding? One of the classics. Yeah. <laughs> so the guy's in prison. And we just see him in prison. And at the end, he escapes. And the way, I don't want to tell you how he escapes. But basically, <laughs> right? He, he has. I just did. I killed the movie for you. Still, it's an unbelievable movie. Right? There's the wall. And then there's a hole. If you want to return to God every year, the rest of the year, you got to pull a shot. You got to pull an Andy Dufresne. Mm-hmm. You have Keep to do an Andy Dufresne. Keep on chipping away, and eventually you can penetrate that man. Why you can take twenty years, right? Slowly, slowly, effort, effort. Or you wait for one day that the prison door is open, yeah. and you just walk right through. Well, you still have to walk. Mm-hmm. You still have to make the effort, mm-hmm. right? But it's much, much easier. That's like this Hasidic tale. The Baal Shem Tov is leading services. And there's this, you know, this little shepherd boy is in there. And he, I guess he's just in his, you know, in his own frame of mind. He blows the whistle. Everybody in the synagogue is shocked. And he gets mad at the boy and the Baal Shem Tov says, no, that whistle was so pure. His way of communicating God that the gates of heaven opened up to this. Yeah, set of tales with and me. Yeah, that's a uh, the the Hasidic perspective is much more lofty mm-hmm. with like Kabbalah. Like I, I just try to say like, what does it say? What did our sages tell us? Right. Well, what should we derive from these statements? The Torah is telling us a lot of statements about Yom Kippur. How do they all connect? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I do I do not uh, doubt the veracity of that idea. But, uh, yeah, that's a harder thing. I don't know what dates. How do you know what are the dates? <laughs> like, you know, it's hard for us. That's that's it's, sick tale I've heard. Yeah, it's... Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's even in our gates of repentance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh... to return, I like to return, right. Chuva means to return. The Hebrew word for repent. I'm sorry, I'm writing this down, by the way. Equals return. So what should we do? What should we do on, on Yom Kippur? How do you walk out that door? 
How do you connect to God? How do you do that? How do you go back to your roots? Those four steps. That's all you need to know. And you just do those four steps and you return to God. You repent it. Right? You have atonement. You get a clean slate. How important is it to have a clean slate? One thing, another, another um, also fascinating, fascinating piece of information. Um, also, this is again comes from Jewish sources. If someone told you 2,000 years ago, the Jews are, in, are sent out to exile, the diaspora, even 2,400 years ago, if someone predicted to you that these Jews would remain few in number, scattered amongst the nation, not bound by a homeland, by a common language, by culture, being relentlessly persecuted with inquisitions, pogroms, blood libels, holocaust, incessantly, right? Marginalized physically, spiritually, economically, without, without, you know, any time to, you know, to regroup and, and, you know, and, you know, to even take a breather. You you look at history, Jewish history. It's it's relentless. And the Jews would just survive for 2,000 years and go back to Israel and establish a homeland there. Jewish survival is a miracle. All the great cultures, all the great civilizations of yesteryear, they all disappeared. We're the only ones that have been around for thousands and thousands of years. How is it possible that we've survived? The question of, of, of Jewish survival, it's a mystery. Right? But the Torah tells us. What's the Torah tell us? The Torah tells us is that the way God treats nations is that they have a certain amount, allotted amount of sin. Right? They could go as, take as long as they want. Once they fill it up, then the, the culture of the civilization is destroyed and someone else gets their chance. Think of it as a vat, as a jug, as a silo, whatever it is. The point is, is that the second they reach maximum, right? They reach a point of no return, they get destroyed, they get scattered, they get swallowed up by another nation, and they're gone. We also have a silo. We also have a vet. We also have an allotted amount of sin that we're allowed to have. But every year we have Yom Kippur. What happens? Back to square one. You fill up, fill up, fill up, fill up the whole year, you go back to square one seems to me that Iran is kind of overflowing. Don't you think oh. it's about time? <laughs> no, it's, but, you know, think about the Romans. The Romans were barbarians. Yes. Yeah, they were. But they the survived. The Greeks weren't very nice The Greeks also, right? And the Turks were horrible. But And they had dominance for five, six hundred years. Mm-hmm. Until they just, boom, there's, there's nothing left of them now. Mm-hmm. There's nothing left of ancient Rome or ancient Greece. Or the Assyrians, or the Ottomans, or the huh? A few yeah, but, well, those are the physical remains. But nothing. There's no people now. We're the, we're the Jews. We're, we're the same people. There's no ancient people that could that has documentation of right and unbroken chains and traditions and everything. Nothing has changed. The tefillin that we wear today is the same exact tefillin that they found in the caves of our Kochba by the Dead Sea. They found the same exact things. It's identical. Same exact thing. It's an unbroken chain. We're still around. How we? How did we survive? We survived only because our silo of sin never got full. Every Yom Kippur, 
pushed it all the way back down to point to, you know, the point A to square one, and you start a fresh slate. So not only is, is Yom Kippur a, a, like a, a way to get a personal clean slate, we look at it as the entire community, right? fresh start. Right? Atonement, this is the day the Almighty is going to aton- uh, give us atonement. We have to repent. We'll tell you how to repent. I'll, I'll go through that. That's the next thing. You have to repent. If you don't repent, then Yom Kippur might not work. That's a dispute, but probably won't work. And um, and because we because we have that, our nation is still around and will be around for much much longer. So that's the idea. If someone says, "What's the you know?" If someone, if, first of all, if someone ever doubts the idea of a miracle, miracles never happen. Just say, "Well, how did the Jews survive?" The Jews were a million people or two million people, and they just they just survived. Yeah, you know, is, and, is it a faith or is it a you know yeah, a no, religion? Or is it, you know? Yeah, no, but uh, now that you said that, mm-hmm. it really is. When you start to think about it, it really is a miracle. Yeah, there's no there's no other words to describe it. Yeah, mm-hmm. with all that the Jews have have undergone, they were always marginalized. Mm-hmm. Uh, the annals of history are beladen. With, with with tales of anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. Gruesome, right? Repulsive anti-Semitism. And it's in, across every single uh, place the Jewish people were... Like how many, and how many cities and, con- and countries in, in Europe were the Jews uh, banned for? You know, the Jews, uh, for I think it was 500 years, 700 years, were not allowed to be in England, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Shakespeare never, ever in his life saw a Jew. There was not a single Jew living in England from the 1300s all the way to the 1800s. There wasn't even one. And Spain, they bounced out Jews. And Portugal, and Poland, I'm sorry, I guess not Poland. Everyone besides for Poland, right? Uh, uh, Portugal, Germany, obviously, France, every single one of these massive countries, the Jews, you know, the Jews were banned for hundreds of years, right? Burnt at stakes, right? Massacred. The Khmelnytsky massacres, for example, in 1648 in Ukraine. 100,000 Jews. Boom. Mm-hmm. And we're still around. Holocaust. And we're still around. How do we do it? The Jewish people are an eternal nation because of Yom Kippur. Our sins just get brought back to point, one, point A, and uh, we start from fresh. The uh, the happiness of um, right after Yom Kippur we have the the holiday of, of Sukkot. The theme of Sukkot is happiness, joy, delight. And there's a close connection between Yom Kippur and the atonement that we receive in Yom Kippur, and the joy that we experience in Sukkot. The joy is specifically because of the atonement. You know, we have a lulav. I wrote an article for the Jewish Held Voice about lulav. And uh, one of the um, one of the Talmudic interpretations of the mitzvah lulav is we went to war. Yom Kippur is a war; it's a judgment, and we emerge victorious. And we come back from battle after Yom Kippur, and we're holding the sword up high. We're shaking the sword. We're brandishing our sword. We're a victorious warrior. We won yet yet again. Okay, so we all want to do tshuva. This is, or we want to return. We want to repent. How do we do that? So I want to say two two points. I want to first talk about the process of repentance uh, between man and God, and then there's also repentance of uh, man to man. People, um, you know, they they uh, 
they unfortunately uh, it exists that there's rifts among people, and it's very important for Yom Kippur to get uh, to forgive and to gain and to gain forgiveness from your fellow man. So four steps. There's four steps. Four simple steps. Just follow the steps, and you're good to go. And the prayers of of Yom Kippur are all trying to get you to do these four steps. Right? All the Ashamu Baganu. Right? Those are all your. Right. The first thing you're doing is you're acknowledging you made mistakes. Acknowledge. I don't even know how to spell it. Knowledge. You acknowledge you made a mistake. It's the first step of repentance. It's the first step of the 12 steps. First thing is you have to recognize you made a mistake. Number two is you have to uh, you have to regret and abandon right, that sin. You constantly got angry. Anger is a big sin. What do you do? You regret it. Mm-hmm. I feel bad about it. Right? Acknowledge, regret, abandon. I'm not going to do it again. Right? You cease activities that uh, that are associated with that with that sin, and you adopt activities. The next one, adopt positive activities. It means if um, you adopt the opposite. And the last thing is vidu. Vidu means confession. What does confession do? It means you were heading in one direction. Mm-hmm. You said, oh, I don't want to do this. I regret it. I acknowledge my sin. I regret it. This is bringing me further away from God. Mm-hmm. This is building the barriers, strengthening the barriers. You stop. You stop doing that. You turn around. You head in the new direction. And then you confess. Confession. Confession is the concretization of the repentance. I'm heading away from God, I stop. I turn around, I start heading towards God, and then I make it real, I make it tangible, I speak it out. I said I made a mistake, I stopped doing it, I'm heading in a new direction. When you acknowledge it, aren't you kind of confessing when you acknowledge it? Well, acknowledge means to recognize, but verbalization. Confession has to be an action. Right? It's an action. So acknowledge could be mental. Yeah. Yeah. Acknowledge, regret, mm-hmm. stop going that direction, mm-hmm. head in the new direction, and then confess. So, so if you're a Catholic, you realize what you did, and then you go in and tell your priest, so you're confessing. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't believe in that. Yeah. In yeah. fact, I the know. confession has to be done. You have to speak it, but no one should hear your confession. Mm. It's, it's between you and God. Yeah. I never understood going through a middle man. Yeah. yeah. No one does. It's just uh, an easy way out. Um, so there's another point here, and that is um, forgiving others and getting forgiveness from others. Now, uh, let's start with forgiving others. You know, it's unfortunate that, you know, many times... People have disagreements. They have they have fights. They have um, disputes. They have you know, relationships that went sour. It could be in the personal life. It could be the family. It could be in professional life. It could be in the community. And it's unfortunate that lots of times we have grudges that against other people that we harbor in our hearts for for years. Mm-hmm. And the first thing is that it doesn't actually do anything for us. It just makes us 
sad and it takes the joy out of life when you think about that person. So it has no practical benefit. That's the first thing to recognize. Uh, but the Talmud tells us that there's a connection between someone being granted repentance from God and someone forgiving his fellow man. What, what could be the connection here? If I forgive my fellow, if I forgive my fellow man, God will forgive me. So the simple way to understand it is that tit for tat, right? A measure for a measure. You do something, you treat someone one way, you're going to treat the same way. If you're able to overcome the misdeed that was done to you, you're able to see past that, you're able to forgive, God will overlook the misdeed that you did. Tit for tat. That's one way to look at it. I want to explain it maybe a little, like a little bit deeper, a little bit, a little bit more of a profound uh, explanation to this idea. And that is that if you uh, if you look at the anatomy of repentance, we said you got to acknowledge, you got to regret, you got to stop doing what you're doing, you got to head a new head in a new direction, and you got to confess. Right? We're repenting. What we're saying is that there was there was that guy who did that action, I'm a new man. I'm heading in a new direction. Right? You're changing who you were. Right? I was that person. I was that person who did that particular action. Now I'm a different person. I'm not going to do that action. So you're by doing repentance, you're saying is that people could change. And not everything that I did in the past defines who I am now. If someone has a dispute with someone else, it could have happened 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and they don't forgive them, what they're saying is that that person, that action that that person did years ago is who they are today. They are refusing to recognize that people could change. They're refusing to acknowledge that that person or that action that that person did they refuse to recognize that that could be a different person today. So if we are able to demonstrate that I'm able to forgive someone, not because what he did, he or she did was right or was uh, proper or was thoughtful. No, no, no. They made a mistake. They did something wrong. But today, maybe they're a different person. Maybe they changed. Maybe they worked on their character. Maybe they're a different person. I could overlook that. They made a mistake, but that was someone else. The person who's here in front of me is a different person. If I could do that, then I have the license myself to give the same argument and say, oh, I, I acted uh, in a certain way in the past, but I regretted it. And I stopped doing it. And I headed in a new direction. I'm a different person. Right? And we see that I, I acknowledge the fact that people could change. I could change. Other people could also change, and that's why I can forgive them. So the idea of, of being granted personal atonement is very much dependent on man being able to view others in the same light, in the same dimension, with the same prism as he wants to be viewed when he, wants, when he repents. And that is that a person is able to change. You, you were one way, you stopped that, and you headed in a, in a new way. You're a different person. So that's Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is all about... Yes.
What if the action of the other person is unforgivable? Is this the Hitler question? No, but uh, that's a little extreme, but okay. <laughs> um, so this is so so a question. Yeah. I, I tell you, every single time that I speak about the subject, yeah. I get the Hitler question. And always, is yeah. that the Hitler question? Okay. No, it, well, it, it wasn't. I, I gave, wasn't I, I gave this, I know, I know, but I call the Hitler question because yeah. everyone sees yeah. Hitler as right. being right. Everybody has the same question, I'm sure. And I spoke uh, this, I spoke about this topic, not the same, it wasn't as good of a class as this mm-hmm. is. Um, but I spoke about it on a Monday night and I got the same question mm-hmm. and I spoke about it. I, I might have mentioned it in my class. Um, that I gave on Rosh Hashanah, and someone had mentioned that. I think the week before, uh, maybe the night after I spoke here, I spoke in Clear Lake, and someone asked the question. So it's a very common question. So the point is like this. Two, two things. First of all, um, something's unforgivable is unforgivable. Right? And even, even when, even, there are even sins that a person himself does that are unforgivable. Even God won't forgive some sins. Right? The sin of Chilul Hashem, right? desecrating God's name, is an unforgivable sin. If you do that, the only way, Yom Kippur won't help. True repentance won't help. It won't help. It won't. The only way to get around it is, uh, Maimonides writes that, is, is Chufa, repentance, Yom Kippur, Yisurim, where a person has suffering, that also provides some measure of atonement, and death. The only way a person can have atonement for certain sins. Um... So, so yeah, so there are some sins that are unforgivable, and you don't have to forgive that. That's number one. Number two, you don't have to be silly. You don't have to be, um, you don't have to, um, you know, lend money to Bernie Madoff again. <laughs> yeah, I thought about that. You don't. Uh, it's not, you don't, there's, there's no requirement to be foolish, or to lose your senses, or to not be reasonable, right? to know that there's some people that have problems, mm-hmm. right? But to be able to forgive them and view them in a positive way, that you have to do. So let me give a, a recap. Because, um, like we said, we started off with the core of Yom Kippur. And then we expanded to the, to the properties of Yom Kippur. The core of Yom Kippur is the idea is that man typically is separated by an enormous barrier. We're, we can say that we're in jail, we're on the other sides of the, uh, of the Berlin Wall, whatever it is. Whatever metaphor you want, is we're close, but we're very far close but we're very far and we're close but very far and Yom Kippur this, this gets lifted we said that the, that the Talmud tells us is that this barrier this this right which is uh, symbolized by the Satan has power only 365 days a year because one day it gets lifted and we're back to our original state that's why we you know we, we don't eat we don't need to eat that's why we um, we, we dress like angels, we pray like angels, and that's why this day is the easiest day to do tshuva. Right? Mm-hmm. Prison door is wide open. All you got to do is just walk out. You don't have to spend days and days and years and years like Andy Dufresne and the Shawshank Redemption. I can't believe you had never watched that movie yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to watch it I know, he's going to go home and watch it. Yeah, yeah. please do. <laughs> um, well, if it's not a Netflix I can watch it now. Shawshank Redemption, 1994. Narrated. Well, it's almost 20. Yeah. Narrated by uh, Morgan Freeman. Never lost Morgan Freeman. 
Morgan Freeman was really not that good. The whole movie was just amazing, top to bottom. You're this a little kid when that came out, huh? You were just a little kid. Oh yeah, but I caught up. So that's that. Um, I wish you all to have a wonderful, meaningful Yom Kippur. I have here some. Uh, this is like a what I I uh, I give this as a, as a cheat sheet. Um, it's it's not necessarily about Yom Kippur, about repentance, but it's about the whole themes of the New Year's. You can fill it out if you want. Uh, it's just a way to get a person to think about themselves, to think inwardly, to um, you know, just this is the time of year where you evaluate, you try to get a fresh start. Um, something you can use if you want to leave a couple more here for my give out here. Other people, you're more than welcome to do so. Mm-hmm. And let's take this. Remember, this is an opportunity. Your paper is an opportunity. Don't squander it. Yes. Don't kvetch about 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 about. Uh, oh, it's so hard to, to fast, or oh, it's so long prayers. Come on, this is 24 hours. You have to maximize. You only get it once a year. Mm-hmm. You only get it once a year. It's an opportunity, unlike any other. Okay. I love you all. Wish you best of luck.